What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, September 19th, 2019, and I'm here with the winner of the BFF Championship, in my opinion, Miss Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Yeah, I uh, haven't got my belt yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll look out for it in the mail. You know what? <laughs> Neither do Nate and Jorge, so you're going to have to be patient like they they are. I can't wait to see what the UFC design, like what design to come up with. Only because I'm not a big fan of the new UFC belt. I love the old one. And I don't know how, how like hip and cool the UFC is going to be with this design. So I can't wait to see it. I really feel like they're going to let the creativity go. Because, you know, respectfully, they are, the belts all look the same for every champion, right? And I get that. You know, you understand why it's the same thing in most places. Since this is a special event, I feel like the, there's some creative team guys who are like, oh my gosh, it's about dang time, Dana White. Watch what we could do. So I really feel like that's going to be, you know, in play. But we can't talk about that yet. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about BMF, the BFFs, or otherwise. we got some other fights. Let's go back a minute because we had an awesome fight at UFC Vancouver. Donald Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, um, Natalie, very bluntly, I feel like that fight uh, illustrated exactly why Justin Gaethje was a bad matchup for Cowboy. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it didn't it didn't go quite as we expected when we talked about it last week in that we both picked Gaethje, but it, I, I don't think either of us saw it going down this quickly. Um, Cerrone looked a bit slow, which I think is common in trying to figure out his opponent in the first round. But while he was doing that, while he was sorting out everything in his head, Gaethje just went to work. You know, he just put it on him. Excellent movement, footwork, timing, heavy shots, heavy kicks. He's a much bigger threat than people think he is because they still remember the UFC, you know, his debut fight, his Alvarez, Poirier fights, like, you just remember him standing there covering up and just getting hit. But he's he's been saying it for a while now. Trevor Women's been saying it. He went back to the drawing board and like he's a completely different fighter now. It, there's skills that he always had, so it's like a game plan, new game plan that they're implementing, and he's taken to it like water, like a you know a duck in water. So uh, backyard brawler, that guy, he's gone. He's a tactician. He has power. And then we can't forget this, even though he doesn't really use it, but he's got the wrestling and that's just like a thing that's in the, in the back pocket waiting to be used on someone like Khabib if that matchup ever happens. So, you know, I feel, yeah, I feel for Cerrone uh, cause it, it was really exciting to, to see him get those wins and, and sort of climb up. But once he hit the top five, it's another level, you know, top five of 155 division is another level. Yeah, you know what, um, on the Gaethje side of it, just, uh, I guess, what does he do differently than before? I think that, you know, you're used to Gaethje who comes forward and really, you know, just, he tries to make you feel that, and if he's got to eat some big shots from whomever, whether it be Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, well, that's just how it's gonna be. And, um, if anything, now he looks like he's more patient. I think he looks for moments for the guys to come in. He looks to cut away, slip and counter, which maybe he didn't do as often before because he didn't have to. And, um, you know, he's got the same weapons he always did. The kicks are, you know, he hits hard. 
He doesn't look. Let's say it. They don't look like when Jose Aldo throws them. But who's do really? So, you know, he cracks people like a baseball bat with those things. They do debilitating damage. He's got great power in his hands. One more thing. You're used to seeing him have to land a few more and take a few more. But you saw that he was able to really hurt Cowboy early. And it was just a few shots. He just had his moments where he seemed to catch Cowboy clean. Cowboy, to his credit, ate those first few like the, you know, like the BMF he is also. But look, uh, Gaethje just kept landing too many clean ones. And that one that closed the show, um, not controversial if you ask me. I know Cowboy protested it. Everyone watching saw it was done. And I'm glad that Gaethje had that respect. It was a beautiful moment between the fighters that I really appreciated. And... You know, in the time of BMFs and all the things that we talk about lately, that was refreshing. I really liked it. Um, real quick on the Cowboys side, that's a bad style matchup. I'm not going to say that he still can't do it, but when you look at the track record of consistency, it is hard to say, hey, Cowboy can take out three or four of these top five guys and get a title shot or fight for the title. Like, for example, let's say he were to fight a Dustin Poirier, a Tony Habib loser, and then fight for the title. I don't know if Cowboy, the guy we saw on Saturday, can put those two or three wins together to be a champion right now. And that's very tough because you know that he's been so active for so long, but this just seems to kind of be, you know, where he gets stuck. And that's not to say that he doesn't, you know, once again, like you just said, those top five fighters, it is a shark tank. And that is why winning a title in these weight classes is so impressive because you have to have a special kind of run for a while and maintain it in order to be dominant, which is exactly why people love the Tony and Habib collision that we seem to be set for. So I think that's, a, you know, that just shows you the challenge that Cowboy has in front of him. And let's be honest, a lot of guys, Barbosa, Gaethje too, Eddie Alvarez, there's a reason why it's difficult. And I think that, you know, that was a rough one, like you said, for Cerrone because he already had that, you know, that skid and then he's had this resurgence. So it, it's tough because you, you just feel like he's in a great part of his career too, you know, now in fatherhood. So definitely, I mean... Fight's not done, but I think the right style matchup is going to be necessary for his next outing. Let's talk about Justin Gaethje, though. What did you think of the Conor McGregor tweet with the big sunglasses to tease him? So I don't think I saw it. the tweet from Justin Gaethje or the tweet no. was the tweet from Conor yeah. McGregor. From Conor. He's sitting in like the car with like that green shirt and he's got those big sunglasses. Yeah, man, I guess I'm out of the loop. I did not see that. Uh, the last I heard was about him tweeting about uh, something. Uh, he was Dublin. he was talking about uh, Dublin, yeah. Yeah, if you check it out, you know, you'll see him. He's got, like, the big sunglasses on, which it took me a minute to realize, oh, he's making fun of the fact that Justin had to wear glasses all week because of his eye. Um, oh. I feel like... Um, you know what? It's tough because I, I've, I've said it a bunch now. I don't see Connor fighting unless it's for the title. And as long as Habib holds it, it's hard to see that. Um, I think that Justin is a great style matchup in terms of the excitement. But the wrestling just makes me feel like, you know, that's a risk Connor doesn't want to take. I mean, and, and truth be told, there are very few guys who I think, you know, 
I'd say Michael Johnson matches up well with a Conor McGregor. Someone like that who you don't feel like... Someone you know is going to want to bang with him. But I feel like Justin Gaethje, you know, that's a bit a high risk, low reward for Conor. Because the fact is, he only needs to get one win. And then you're probably going to get hyped up for a Habib rematch if that's what they want. Or, you know, a shot at Tony Ferguson or what have you up there. But, um... Yeah, I just don't see that fight happening for those reasons, even though it feels like it makes sense. So for Justin Gaethje, I feel like, you know, if the Conor fight really doesn't materialize, just wait it out. We're expecting something to happen with Tony and Habib. Just wait until where you're at in 2020 to see if they've scheduled it or booked it. That's what I think. For uh, for Gaethje? Like, if they have Tony and Habib on a good timeline, like, they've booked it, they've announced the date, then just wait and see and see if you're willing to wait till, like, July for your title shot. Yeah, that that makes sense. There's no reason to rush it at this point because going back to just where that division is, like, if you, you, you're going to you're gonna find a really talented, tough fight in any of the top five, and you're right there on the cusp for, for a belt. So yeah, I think waiting until July is probably fair. Um, but as far as McGregor goes, I don't know. <laughs> he should, he just needs to come back and fight anybody at this point. Yeah. Well, they are teasing Dana White. I saw the headline that they're talking about, you know, he wants to, Dana said he's, he mentioned the Dublin date said he wants to fight. I don't know if we'll see Connor get randomly added to New Year, you know, December pay-per-view. That would be cool, but I don't know if I see that happening. Um, but, yeah, look, I feel like maybe the March uh, pay-per-view is where we see Connor. Big one, Las Vegas. I feel like that's right his speed, but you never know. I feel like we could see him sooner if, you know, schedule permits. Move I hope so. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I feel like if you're Gaethje, just wait it out, you know. By the way, think positive. We're not going to consider that he has to fill in for somebody. We're not going to say that because we're not going to put that juju on the fight that we all want. So we're not going to talk <laughs> about it. Do you understand, Natalie? I understand. I okay, understand. We are not going to say something like backup or something like that. No, we are not. All no, right. Let's go back to New York for a minute. The press conference for the BMF title points to Masvidal. The Scarface Miami gangster look was very on brand, and I think that was the best part of the show. Um, did it live up to the hype, in your opinion, though, listening to them? No, it was a bit strange. Um, but, yeah, the best part was Masvidal's look. The slicked hair, uh, slicked back hair, the Scarface suit. I'm a huge fan of that movie. I used to have a poster of Scarface, uh, you know, Al Pacino, and that final scene up in my college room dorm. <laughs> so, you know, that's not weird. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you do, you do you, bro. You do you. Pretty much, yeah. my roommate. You know, well, she was nice. <laughs> she, she never said anything. But anyway, that was the best part. Did you guys, uh, did you like watch the movie a lot, like in the dorm room? No, no, not at all. So we didn't know each other and we were just friendly, not friends. Uh, so we kind of lived separate lives um, just to give you more information. So no, we didn't. But, um, 
she got to look at that every morning when she woke up. Um, so, I mean, so I love, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I, I, I want to hear more of this story, but I feel like the fans <laughs> might, you know, they'll try to do a replay of Helwani's show, but go ahead. <laughs> no, man, so I, all I was going to say is that the suit is from a very, very specific scene in the movie where Al Pacino goes to Michelle Pfeiffer and tells her, hey, I, I want, you know, you're married to somebody else, but you're going to be mine very soon. So that kind of attitude, uh, Masvidal's got that swagger. But the press conference was, it was short. It was weird. You know, there was audio issues at the beginning. Dana White, for some reason, could hear everyone's questions, but Phoenix Carnavalis, so that was kind of strange. Um, Diaz was, look, you need, um, it takes two to tango, right? So the two guys were up there. They're, we know they're not going to go after each other but at least give them something juicy to, to talk about. And they kind of just didn't get it. I wish they had opened it up to the fans just for some funny, some funny type questions. But um, it was a little bit underwhelming, a little bit shorter than I thought. And considering that crazy backdrop, I bet the UFC is, uh, is wishing that it had more spark, but you know what? You don't really need it to sell the fight. Would it have been fun? Would it have been nice to have some, some good, couple of video clips you could made made out of it you know out of the press conference yeah but you know it's still it's still going to be a huge fight it's still more exciting to me than canelo kovalev even though that is also an amazing fight on the same night and uh what are you going to do they're going to they're going to meet again and hopefully they'll, they'll get more material to work with from the uh from the media from the fans yeah i think that um Quite bluntly, it felt like they were trying to set him up to say their greatest hits. They wanted Masvidal to talk about the three-piece in the soda menu and Street Jesus, etc. Which, by the way, Helwani, you gotta watch more Cage Side Press, Gabriel Gonzalez videos. I already beat you to that one. Just saying, I, I think it's got quite a few views on YouTube, talking to him about being Street Jesus. But my point, you know, uh, just teasing. I love you, Ariel. But, you know, I think that that was a that was a struggle because at the end of the day, you had two guys. That's their swag, right? They don't have to brag and boast and jaw at each other. They already know that they're BMFs who are going to throw down and have a BMF fight. Um, so that was always going to be the concern, if you ask me. The one thing, and I talked to Karen about it and uh, we agreed, is that it'll be funny when they talk about other people. And I feel like if you had more time, we might have gotten it because I would love to hear if Jorge has run into Colby Covington yet. Or if they figured, like, you know, tell us something. Tell us he's been avoiding the gym or tell us he's coming in the middle of the night when he knows everybody else has gone home. Tell us something. But that would have been some dirt to me. I feel like you were never going to get dirt like that from Nate. So that would have been entertaining. But, you know... We kind of got a lot of pomp and circumstance to tell us what we already know. And that's that these are two, you know, these are two dudes who really don't care about the machine and everything. They just care about throwing down and making money. And that's exactly what we got. Yeah, man. And, you know, Phoenix tried, sort of. She brought up Usman and Colby to Dana anyway. And Jorge just kind of was like, we don't want to talk about them. So I think... Really what it is is that they, these guys do better on a one-on-one -on -one basis than being up there, you know, and just fielding questions from a, a massive group of people. Because we've seen them both give amazing interviews. Jorge's been doing the rounds on some big sports uh, sports shows. 
And uh, I think, yeah, I think that one-on-one thing just gets more of that engagement. You know, you ask the question, they might shoot you down, but if you keep asking or you ask in a different way, they'll come back to it. So, I mean, I mean if you ask me very bluntly, they, you know, I feel like people want to ma- manufacture a beef that they're not just going to play into. I think that's yeah, the struggle. Absolutely. Um, they're uh, not playing into it. Yeah, on the Phoenix thing, I mean, Phoenix is uh, Phoenix is great at her job. Anyone who's ever seen LFA knows that. But um, I think that was the thing is that Dana, they were kind of in a bad spot. You know, all of them, really, if you're being honest, because what are they going to say? You know, like Dana was like, well, Colby wanted more money. And then it's like, uh, so are they not getting paid? It was a very tough one that until somebody just spills the beans and has their, you know, big oh my gosh interview they were never going to get a good answer but it's obviously a storyline because the reason this fight is happening here is because those two couldn't make the fight which brings us to our next topic is that um colby covington leaving the manager that doesn't sound like a productive way to get to a title fight and negotiate but you know what are your thoughts on that news it, it surprised me. So I watched James Lynch. Um, he's with the Score MMA. He used to do, he used to do like work for all kinds of different sites, but now he's been with the Score for a while. So he has um, what seems like an exclusive interview with Dan Lambert, and Dan just kind of puts it out there that a few weeks ago Colby went to him and said, "I have been talking to other management companies, and some of these people are saying they can get me sponsors and." Dan Lambert very honestly said, you know, those are things that we don't do. We don't have access to, to those kinds of deals for him. So, you know, whatever makes sense. He was very pragmatic about it. But it still it still makes you kind of furrow your brow and say, ask yourself, like, okay, well, that's is that just the beginning of a, a separation? Or is it really just a purely, like, managerial business decision? And, and that's all it is. Uh, but it's hard not to wonder if it has anything to do with the negotiations falling through for this title fight. You know, Colby wanted so much money, whatever that amount is. Dan Lambert, if he was the one doing the talking, seems like the kind of guy that is very reasonable and, and maybe didn't fight as hard as Colby wanted him to. No way of knowing that's just the impression I get. So I'm not like worried, but about, you know, is he going to leave ATT? Dan Lambert, certainly not. He says he's talked to Colby. He says he's talked to Jorge about all this back and forth. He's going to talk to Dustin when he comes back into the gym. So he seems pretty confident that everyone's going to stay put. Um, but but it does raise a little bit of a red flag because it's kind of the story we've seen before, right? With a fighter, either boxing or MMA, that's with someone for a long time, and then they get wild ideas. They want more money, and if. They feel like the person that's had their back all this time no longer has it. They go looking elsewhere. So time will tell if that's what's happening here. Yeah, I think that um, the biggest thing I kind of took from that, and I've been watching it, is that, you know, to his credit, if you were to see what's happened to Colby Covington happen to a fighter you do like, which I think that's the big, you know, catch-22 is that, you know, if you hear Colby Covington is getting screwed, I don't think there's a big contingent of the fan base who's saying, oh my gosh, that's so unfair, you know. And look, that's the, we understand it was always a double-edged sword to, you know, taking on this heel role that he's done. Now, you know, on that point, you know, he's making himself a big name, he's wanting more money. That is not unheard of for every, you know, for anybody. 
everybody on the roster who's done that has been trying to play that move. So exactly how much and how far is the number off? That's probably the big question mark everyone has in terms of, well, you know, what's he asking for versus what are they offering him? That's something that obviously, you know, only the guys in the situation know. That being said, you know, I feel like all this with the management and all that, I mean, that's not a good sign if you're Colby because at the end of the day, you know, you're doing all this to win a fight for all the marbles, right? To beat Kamaru Usman, to possibly defeat a Jorge or a Nate Diaz next. You want to have that infrastructure behind you. Whatever the mouthpiece is saying, you want the team behind them to be solid. And that question mark feels a little, you know, like that may not be there after all that's been said. And that is more, you know, well, hey, that just makes the situation complicated if you're on the outside looking in, looking at that. So it's very complicated. I do think eventually people are going to take the check and just make the fight and build on that. But I'm not going to lie to you. Short term, this does feel very complicated and it's a very odd situation. It is, and it's it's all it's hard not to say it's all Colby, it you know, but we don't know you know what the conversations were with UFC with whoever was managing him, but he's definitely not making it easy for anyone to like him, for anyone want to for anyone to want to go to bat for him. So, right. the last thing on the BMF talk and all the welterweight title. So you know how fans are like, well, you know what? I hate the interim title thing, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Well, I have a question. What is that BMF title looking like right about now? <laughs> a little okay. interim hey, Just saying, guys. I mean, you know, the the rapping is very convincing to make you forget about some stuff, but... um. Hey, how, look at that. Look what they made as a champion and a title fight has been taking a while. Where have we seen this before? Yeah, you know. they're definitely uh, getting creative. It wasn't even their idea, so you can't give them credit for creativity, but just, they're, uh, just they're you know. Just, yeah, just saying it's right. Yeah. Just, just saying, man. Look at that. How about that? All right, moving on. This one, very interesting. Zabit is out of UFC Boston. However, the fight with Calvin Qatar is being rescheduled. They're pushing it a month to UFC Moscow. So instead of October 18th, it is now November. I forgot to write the date. I believe it's the 14th, one of those Saturdays in the middle of the month after the MSG card, if I'm not mistaken. Um, very bluntly, uh, Calvin Qatar gets the short end of the stick, if you ask me. He goes from fighting at home to a very long trip to Russia in what I believe is still winter over there when he gets there or fall. So, very interesting change. If you're Zabit, obviously this kind of adds to his run. He's um, been just dynamic in UFC, and now that he's fighting in Russia, you feel like he's going to have his breakout moment against a top contender. So, just very bluntly, what are your thoughts on the move and how they're putting it together from either side, Calvin's or Zabit's? Yeah, it, it definitely sucks for Calvin. That is a huge change in location uh, to go from wanting to represent in your own hometown to having to fly to Russia and, and contend with, yeah, weather, which you brightly point out could be a, a factor time change, jet lag, just being in a different place. I mean, they're used to traveling, but this is a big one. 
people aren't really like it's Russia as mm, I believe anyway is not really a vacation destination. Could be wrong, but so it's not the kind of place where people are, are really frequenting. Um, I you know all I really have to say though, apart from that, is we all want to see Zabit fight again. But his his last bout with Jeremy Stevens, it was great, great showing. He showed, you know, he 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 went uh, the distance. But it's not for me. It's not so high on my list that I'm like bummed out about the rescheduling. You know, it is what it is, and and really, it just sucks for Calvin. But you know, it's not too far off from the original date, so we'll take it. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, if you're Calvin, what better way to have a breakout than by taking out Zabit, you know, in Russia? That sounds better than taking out Zabit in Boston, if I'm being honest. So that there might be that um, incentive to it if you're him. Obviously, you know, he hasn't really come out and talked about it much, so we'll probably find out as that fight gets closer. And I'm with you with the Zabit thing. I feel like, you know where he's at? Similar to Israel Adesanya before he started clicking about late last year. Remember, he'd have a lot of workmanlike victories, but they're like, hey, can this guy be the guy from the highlight reel now that he fights the tougher guys of the UFC? We've seen that he can. I think we're waiting to see if Zabit can pull all those bad, you know, all the tricks out of the bag as the competition gets tougher. So I think that this is a very interesting time. You mentioned coming off the Jeremy fight, which will play into our breakdown I think in um at the end of the show but I agree with you there's a lot of different little factors going into that fight that um I'm glad it stays if you're Calvin take it as motivation if you're Zabit take it as motivation too that you're at home now for this one make the most out of it so it's just interesting all around by the way though I think they moved from ESPN to ESPN plus the exposure difference is a little rough too for both guys. Yeah, that that's true, but uh, but you know maybe we'll get a Rocky Four, you know, kind of kind of fight out of it. So that could be good. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I feel like the only guys who would get that kind of level of drama that you could say it was like Rocky Four was um, if you have Fedor in Russia, or if you have Habib. Like, <laughs> like for example, we had the okay. You and I were both there for um in the forum in LA with Fedor and Ryan Bader. And that one, they did all this stuff, but it's like, you know what? Nah, it's still not it, you know? This has to be in Russia to really get that full effect. Yeah, it's true. The crowd was chanting USA, USA, but, you know, then 30 seconds later, it was over. (laughs) But then you also know they don't actually hate Fedor. Which, not to say that, you know, they would have hated Ryan Bader in Russia, but, you know... I feel maybe it's because we're here. It feels like mystique for us because it's farther away. I'm sure the Russian people probably feel the opposite. So, you know, maybe that's just us on this end of the world. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So moving on, that fight does still happen in November in Moscow. So that one, you know, you still get a great featherweight showcase. Let's talk about somebody who's having quite the career resurgence, although not in MMA. Cain Velasquez and his Lucha Libre, his pro wrestling. Um, Natalie, I, I'll say this. I've been watching a lot of the highlights. I remember when he fought Travis Brown, UFC 200. He was doing those wheel kicks and you're like, man, I didn't even know Cain was that flexible, let alone could hit that as well as he was. If you've watched Cain Velasquez in MMA, 
You did not, aerodynamic is not the word that is used to describe him. There are a lot of good ones, but not aerodynamic. And that is exactly what we've seen out of this former heavyweight champion. I'm impressed. I like it. Chael Sonnen said something though, and I agreed with him. Sometimes I don't because I miss Cain Velasquez, the fighter, and everything he was in our our game. But let's say like it is, Cain Velasquez in wrestling is absolutely lighting it up. Yeah, man, he is. And it's incredible. I've only also just seen the clips and because it's just so impressive that he, there's a lot of them out there and doing all these uh, tricks. You know, he was so injury prone the last few years um, in the UFC that every time I see him doing these things, I'm like, wait a minute. Like how, you know, if he's okay, why isn't he just fighting in the UFC? That's the guy who kept getting hurt? Really? (laughs) (laughs) He kept hurting his back, all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, I guess his back feels great, obviously. Um, It seems like he's having a ton of fun. Just just going off of the Helwani interview that I heard uh, last week. So... Just happy for the guy. I would love to see him back in the cage, but this is, you know, I'm I'm wondering like, okay, what actually, what which which of these two mm, athletic endeavors actually causes more damage to the body? And like, okay, yeah, fighting seems, you know, it's vicious. You're getting hit in the head. You're getting kicked in the head. But I don't know, man. I, I, the wrestling stuff seems way more violent to me in some respects because of the acrobatic acrobatics the 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 non-stop like you know because of how it's structured you get thrown into all kinds of different things the wall the metal posts there's chairs i mean there's all kinds of stuff so you know hopefully he comes out of this unscathed and can still go back to the ufc he said he still wants to fight but ultimately i think it's just really amazing super impressive yeah someone of that size never expected to have that kind of athleticism but it makes sense he's an elite elite athlete and a lot of the guys that wrestle, especially I'm more familiar with WWE ones, a lot of them are pretty big and they still do all that stuff. So good for him is where I land on it. But uh makes me a little nervous for his return to the UFC. You know, uh, everyone's been saying it and I, I'm not going to, I didn't want to be that guy, but I kind of agree with it. When I look at everything that's happened with his MMA career since he started getting hurt, I mean, how? why put yourself through that when you're lighting it up so well if you're Kane? I mean, he looks good. It looks like a fun show. Um, I'm sure if he was on Monday Night Raw or something like that, fans would absolutely eat it up. I mean, it's tough because, oh, yeah, it's what if. What if Kane hadn't gotten hurt? Would he have broken the record? Would he have... Never let Stipe get near the title, all that stuff. I get it, you know, and I um, I wonder that too because everyone remembers the Cain Velasquez who was just so flipping, you know, pun intended. He was so flipping good, you know. So that's really tough, but at the same time, it's like, look, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, he stays healthy, he can do both. If one of them's got to go, I feel like fans have been preparing themselves mentally for Kane to say that he's going to do the wrestling thing. And, you know, maybe he feels like he could treat his body a little, you know, take care of it more when he knows when the hits are going to happen. And if that's the case, well, you know what, Kane, thank you for everything. But it is tough because I feel like, man, that's just playing with fire. 
how is he gonna do it, you know? Uh, like, how how can he do both and not get hurt at the rate he's going? That's what I worry about. Like, yeah, I think uh, a lot of people do. But, man, yeah. let me just say bluntly, he looks fantastic out there. I'm not taking anything away. I'm not hating. If he wants to do that, he looks like he's got a great career and a great future in wrestling, man. Bluntly. Definitely. 100%. Um, moving on, we have another fight night from lovely Mexico City. By the way, as we met, I don't know if you've seen it, but I talked about this card at length with Miss Karen Bryant of ESPN and UFC. So if you haven't seen it yet, definitely check that out, MMAandCage.net. But the fight that we are all talking about is Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Yair comes back after catching lightning in a bottle. Jeremy Stevens looks to add Yair's head to the list of um, grand slams that he's hit out of the cage. Natalie, let's break this one down. How do you see it going? So this is going to be fun. I think we, we, can, we can agree on that. Most people would agree on that. Yair's in his home country. He wants to represent. And, and despite you know uh, the spectacular win against Korean Zombie in his last outing, I personally feel he has a lot to prove. Like we know he can do all these amazing things with his kicks and his jumps and his his attack, his his offense. But he was losing that zombie fight pretty badly, and nobody, you know, we don't really talk about that. It's just like that amazing knockout at the end, right? That's that's the highlight reel. But I feel like we should we should not forget. So Jeremy Stevens. We all know he's pretty much been the same fighter for for some time now. I don't mean that uh, disparagingly. He's had a lot of success with that style, brawler, banger. He struggled against the beat, and I think he's just going to want to come out swinging. I don't think he's going to be trying to test his patience, uh, uh, you know, and, and being that he's in Mexico, I think he wants to put on a, a heck of a show. So I think he's going to want to get this done in the first round. We'll see if he can do it. But I, I suspect that he'll come out uh, a full force. So I was listening to your 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 um, conversation with Karen Bryant, which was awesome, and I liked her take on it uh, about how uh, Jeremy Stevens' experience with the beat could benefit him against Yair. Right? It's like similar styles, but just the size difference. Yair smaller, le- shorter range, but still still fights in that sort of similar style. So it makes sense that that could be a, something that you know. Jeremy Stevens has in his memory bank how to like you know fight someone in that in that way, but and it will help him because because Yair's not as long and rangy, he'll be able to get close the distance. But I really think that when a Mexican fighter's in Mexico and he coming off of a spectacular win, that he's going to put put out all the stops, and so ultimately. Uh, I think Yair's going to have the better performance, but I'll, I'll turn it back to you before I before I make a call, an official call. Yeah, you know, uh, you hit a lot of this, you know, like you always do, you hit a lot of the different spots of this one perfectly. I really feel like um, if you're Jeremy, yes, you push forward, you try to make something happen, you cut off that cage, which everyone knows they got to do against guys like Zabit and Yair. Obviously, executing that is the challenge, right? And I think if you're Yair, the one thing that he doesn't have in his hands is that one-shot power. High, that means accuracy. That means footwork, getting in and out. That's all you, you know, that's going to have to be on point against a guy like Jeremy. Now, everything we've seen says he should be capable of executing that, but that's why they fight. And I think that that's going to be the real key if you're Yair. 
um, if you get in trouble, can you survive the power of Jeremy? Can you chop away at him? Can you, you know, stay ahead in those early rounds and tire him out? Um, all of that's going to be key. And I, I said this, is he going to catch, you know, lightning twice? No, probably not. He's not about to have a giant back elbow, I don't think. So, you know, now this is a real test. To your credit, you brought it up. He was losing the fight with a zombie. It's been 10 months since that fight in November. And it was about a year and a half before he fought the zombie. You know, this is a long time. And yeah, he's got so much ability, obviously, but... This is also the kind of test you're going to get that, you know, says, hey, can you keep this going? Can you build on that? Have you put in the work while we haven't seen you? And I think that's why there's a lot of the intangibles with Yair is, you know, has he added those wrinkles to his game that are going to make us feel like he's just this bigger challenge for anybody, you know, after the time off and everything he's been working on and what he's had going on to come back. So I think that's a big question. Um, for the prediction, I'll go first. I will say it's Yair. I see this one going decision. I think Jeremy is tough, and I think that he is prepared to defend Yair's attack and try to do his thing, but I think that's going to more come to him getting outpointed in the 25-minute fight. I think that Yair knows what he has to avoid, and he's going to be able to implement his game plan a lot easier than Jeremy will, and I think that's going to be the key. Also, the familiarity at altitude. I think the Yair's probably had more time up there, even though Jeremy flew out rather early. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That's pretty much how I see it, too. You know, there's always that chance that Stevens catches him, and that's, especially with the Jeremy Stevens fight, that's always the risk. He does like a, you know, he jukes you, he comes in with an overhand, and it's all she wrote. So that's certainly possible, but with with Yair being at home, I think he's going to be extra alert and wanting to avoid that kind of uh, attack. So I also see it going to decision. But but because you mentioned altitude is something I forgot to think about earlier, it could also end up being like a TKO by Yair if he tires out Jeremy Stevens, you know? It's entirely possible for as fit as Stevens is and, and going up there early. You know, that altitude is something that even when you think you're ready for it, if with adrenaline kicking, it can sneak up on you and affect you in in a lot of different ways. So there's that sort of possibility lurking in the background, but but more likely I do feel it's going to go to decision with Yair on top. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's been the prediction I think a lot of people have been running. So for good reason, I think that everyone knows what both guys really bring to the table at the end of the day, so I get that. We are in accordance. We are both going with Yair Rodriguez as our official pick going into next week's show. Natalie, next week you and I are busy. We have Bellator in LA. We have, what, what is it, Machida versus Musasi, Archuleta taking on the Pitbull for the title. The Grand Prix, we get the second half of the, you know, the preliminary, you know, the elimination round to get in. All of that is fun stuff. Can you believe it, though? There are, like, four other cards. Okay, technically, there are four. There's really only two. Bellator is doing that triple fight card with the um, three of them, you know, same night in Ireland. James Gallagher found a new opponent. Benson Henderson, Miles Jury. Um, MVP is in there with somebody, right? All of that is going on in Ireland. And then the UFC has their fight night in Copenhagen. 
Jack Hermanson taking on Jared Cannonier in a big middleweight clash. Where do you want to start talking about where we're going to begin next week? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think we just got to... I think Bellator has the more exciting fights. Um, I guess... I guess, actually, I think that they have the bigger names. I mean, James Gallagher, Hal Gallagher, I always pronounce it wrong, uh, and Benson Henderson, like, and, and MVP, which I completely forgot about. So I think that's the bigger the bigger fight night. And uh, and then I think they win it again the next week with uh, with um, Machida. Or I guess, it's not, yeah, it is next week, with Machida and all the um, Musasi and the featherweight tournament. So I think they're going to have uh, two big weekends for, for uh, Bellator over there. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a whole big weekend because the Ireland stuff is oh, yeah, Friday right. night. Yes. 27th and 28th. Yeah, I take it back. Yeah, Just trust it. Don't worry. It's been messing with all of us. <laughs> that, the so, the so way they promote it, the way they announce it on the website is confusing. But it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just two nights. Because they haven't broken out like it's two separate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. But, oh, well. um, yeah, they're going to, they take the cake easily. Um, not to say that Jack Romanson isn't a great talent to watch, but, um, I think you feel like there's more at stake in Bellator, and rightfully so. So I think that that's going to be the one to watch. We'll probably have our show earlier in the week. That way we could get to everything, you know, in time. So we'll be doing a lot of fight breakdowns, probably not as much news. But we'll, you know, if anything happens, obviously we talk about it. But yeah, so that is the one to watch. We will have the UFC Mexico results. We will... Talk about what we're excited. And remember, you could follow us at our channels and our YouTube and all that to catch our interviews with all the stars coming up. So remember, for me, it's MMAandCage.net. Natalie, where can fans find your stuff uh, talking about the fights? On the old Twitter machine, uh, Natalie Zamudio underscore, and then the straightplunch.com for, the, uh, for the content. Awesome. So fans, tune in. We will be back with you guys next week. And until then, have a great one.